Hello, I'm Joe Honeyhockey, and I'd like to welcome you to the Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our Heavenly Brothers and Sisters. In keeping with the theme from the last few episodes, I'd like to talk once again about a North American fellow. He's not a declared saint yet, but he is in the Servant of God stage, and as you'll find out, he's definitely a man worth emulating. I also happen to have some personal ties to this guy. I attended to the high school that bears his name, and he and I both also happen to have the same birthday. So, I'd like to introduce you to the servant of God and war hero, Father Emil Capen. And intro. So, I'd like to address this right out of the gate. I know some people out there will tell you that his name is pronounced Capon, and they very well might be right. But, after attending the high school named after him, going on a pilgrimage to his birth home, and generally just being exposed to the guy as Capon, I'm going to stick to my guns here. After all, we Kansans are simple people. We don't like complicating name pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't get away with saying that when my last name is Honey Hockey. Right, so, so, on to our story. Emil Capen was born on April 20th of 1916. So, happy belated birthday, Father, in Pilsen, Kansas, which is an itty-bitty bohemian-rooted community of less than 100 people. He was baptized there on May 9th and grew up on the family farm. Now, to survive on a farm, you need to be resilient. I myself worked as a farmhand over the course of eight summers, and I tell ya, Murphy's Law loves farmers. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong, and not in the way you'd expect. Well, when you're faced with a broken machine, you buck up and you fix it. It's very rewarding, very difficult work. Well, so this is the environment he grew up in. He also farmed in an age where we did not have the fancy machines that I got to use. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, he's much tougher than I am. Well, there in Pilsen, there were three sisters of the Adorer of the Precious Blood of Christ order, who taught at the school there. And uh, Capon was also raised very well in his faith, having served at Mass regularly there. He received his first communion on May 29th of 1924, and was confirmed on April 11th of 1929. He felt the call to the priesthood and entered Conception Seminary in September of 1930. As it turns out, he wasn't quite able to finish high school there in Pilsen, simply due to the final grades not being offered there. So he finished the high school curriculum over the next two years, and then officially began his studies toward being a priest. He completed his college studies at Conception, graduating in 1936. Then he attended Kenrick Seminary, completing his theological studies in 1940. He was ordained a priest on June 9th of 1940 at St. John's Chapel, which is located at what is now Newman University's campus in Wichita. He celebrated his first Mass back in his hometown of Pilsen, and this little town of less than a hundred ended up seeing 1,200 visitors for this occasion. 
He was assigned as the associate pastor there in Pilsen, and in 1943, he was also made the auxiliary chaplain at the Army Air Base in Harrington, Kansas, which is pretty close. I think it was about 16 miles or so uh, away from Pilsen. Well, it as it turns out, being a priest in your hometown, where everyone knew you from childhood, could be difficult. I mean, who wants to confess their sins to the little boy that they knew so many years ago? It was this issue that caused Father Capon to approach his bishop about transferring. His bishop, Bishop Winkleman, granted his request and recommended him to the U.S. Army Chaplain Corps in July of 1944. Now, if you're familiar with your history, then you might be familiar with a little conflict that was going on at that time called World War II. After completing his training at Fort Devens, Massachusetts, he was stationed at Camp Wheeler, Georgia, from October 1944 to March of 1945. It was then that he was shipped off to Burma to serve the troops there as World War II came to its conclusion. Now, he was so devoted to the needs of the soldiers and the native peoples there that on January 3rd of 1946, the army recognized him and he was promoted to the rank of captain. In May, he was released from his service. And at the request of Bishop Winkleman, Father Capon attended the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. during the fall of that year, where he ended up eventually earning his master's degree in 1948. Upon returning to the Wichita Diocese, the new bishop, Bishop Mark Carroll, assigned him to a parish there. Despite Father Capon wanting to return to service in the army, well, after six months at this assignment, he again voiced to Bishop Carroll that he felt that he was called to serve as an army chaplain. Well, with Bishop Carroll's approval, Father Capon returned to the army. Despite serving in areas outside of his diocese, Father Capon kept in constant contact with Bishop Carroll, sending monthly reports of his activities, such as like masses that he said, uh, the numbers of confessions that he heard, and uh, just kind of the, the overall state of the faith of those he was ministering to. Well, he had initially begun that kind of monthly reporting when he first joined the chaplain corps, and it certainly helped keep him rooted to his home amidst his uh, military appointments. In January of 1950, he was shipped out to Yokohama, Japan. He was assigned to the 1st Cavalry Division which was a peacekeeping force that was stationed there. Well, it so happens that June 25th of that year, North Korea invaded South Korea suddenly, and so began the Korean War. That July, Capon's unit, the 8th Cavalry Regiment, were among the first American troops to help the South Koreans. Now, over the next four months, Capon proved his mettle as he ministered to soldiers on the front lines. He would tend to the dying, offering them last rites amidst the battles, and he would carry wounded soldiers back to safety, regardless of what side they fought for. One of the most common photos of Capon shows him celebrating mass there in the field, uh, using the hood of his jeep as the altar. And just to paint a clearer picture of the constant danger he was in, there is another popular photo of Father Capon holding a broken pipe with a big ol' grin on his face. As it happens, he was in the process of smoking said pipe when a stray bullet shot through the stem of it. Yeah, 
uh, he had, he attributed his survival throughout the the entire course of his his these skirmishes and these battles to uh, the prayers of others. It seems that he was fairly reckless in his desire to tend to the suffering of others. On September 2nd, 1950, he received the Bronze Star Medal for his bravery in rescuing a soldier during a battle the previous month near Kumchong, Korea. The report reads that the soldier was in an exposed area, just hammered by machine gun fire. But Father Capon and another officer disregarded the danger and ended up rescuing this soldier. But this award really meant nothing to Capon, and apparently he was embarrassed to learn that the news of the award had reached his hometown. He was simply acting in his nature to save those that he could. And this nature is put on even clearer display during the, the events that followed. On November 1st of 1950, while held up in the town of Ansan, North Korea, Father Capon's outfit was attacked by a combined force of Chinese and Koreans. Capon was captured, but managed to escape. Well, and he had the opportunity to retreat, but he chose to stay behind with an army medic to tend to the wounded. Well, the following day, November 2nd, they were captured by communist forces. The prisoners were made to march over 60 miles in the bitter cold to a camp in Pyeongtong. Prisoners that fell behind were either left or shot. So Father Capon did all that he could to encourage the men to support each other and carry those who could not walk, all while doing this himself. And it is said that because of this, there were a lot of people who would have otherwise died uh, ended up surviving. Once at the camp, the officers were separated from the enlisted, and Capon went to work, tending to all those that he could. He would wake up at 5.30 every morning to find sticks to burn in order to melt snow into drinkable water. He fashioned containers to wash their clothes in, and would stealthily break out of the camp to find food for the starving prisoners. And it said that he would pray to the good thief, St. Dismas, before each excursion. He would also pray with the men in secret, out of sight of the guards, as prayer was strictly forbidden. He was the fire of hope for all there. But the physical toll was too great. And when the guards found him to be too weak, after about seven months total, uh, total time spent in this camp, they moved to take him to a building known as the hospital, which was simply a cruel term for the building where prisoners were taken to die. It was a death house. The prisoners around Capon were about to fight for him, but he stopped them. Instead, the, the prisoners were allowed to carry Capon at their, their own request to this building themselves. On the way, Capon just exuded peace. And he even asked for forgiveness from one of the guards for any harm that he may have caused them. And he ended up dying on May 23rd of 1951 at 35 years of age. His legacy there in prison camp number five inspired the men to tend to one another. And now there are many testimonies from survivors of this camp that can be found, and they are truly moving. It's something pretty incredible to read. One such story involves a man named Jerry Fink, Major Jerry Fink. He was a Marine pilot and uh, was a prisoner who was transferred to Prison Camp 5 after Father Capon's death. 
And he said that the atmosphere was completely different than the camp that he had come from. At his old camp, men fought each other in order to save themselves. But the men of Camp 5 looked after one another. Well, upon hearing the stories of Father Capon's selflessness, he carved a four-foot-tall crucifix out of wood that he just kind of found around the camp. The, the cross is made from cherry wood, and the body of Christ is made from scrub oak. He did this despite himself being a Jew. He was just that moved by the deeds of Father Capon. The camp ended up being liberated two years after Capon's death, and this crucifix came out with the now freed prisoners, and it now hangs at my old high school, Capon Mount Carmel. For his heroism, Father Capon was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor on April 11th of 2013 by President Obama, making him the ninth military chaplain to have received that award. In 2015, the cause for Father Capon was presented to the Vatican and accepted, so he is in fact a servant of God, and so now we're just kind of hoping and praying for uh, his declaration as venerable and then, you know, onward to hopefully one day being a saint. And there you have it, the story of Father Emil Capon. Now, I love Father Capon. He's both a spiritual and a worldly hero. His witness to the love Christ has for people is very dramatic, to say the least. And we should pray that such horrors never befall our brethren. But it's a reality for some people. We don't need to go far to hear of war and persecution in the world. And though the vast majority of us will not encounter the conditions of Father Capon, he provides an incredible example for us, because I feel pretty certain that he himself did not expect to be a prisoner of war. So his example is in showing us how to take the punches that life throws at us. And this is where we get to the virtue I think Father Capon exemplified. That is the virtue of resilience. Seems obvious enough. I want to stress that this virtue didn't come about because of the war or because of his time as a POW. Father Capon built up his resilience his entire life. So what do I mean by resilience? In this context as a virtue, I mean that Father Capon's entire foundation rested on God. He did not believe in the power of his own strength, only that he was a vessel for the work of God. And because of this, when faced with the horrors of war and imprisonment, when surrounded by the deaths of friends, Father Capon's spirit and faith remained unmoved. You could say that our resilience is the measure of the foundation of our faith. We can use the analogy from the Bible, whether our house is built on rock or sand. Is our faith in God or in ourselves? Or in something else entirely. Reflecting on our own resilience, where we place our faith, is imperative. Because even though the likelihood of us experiencing conditions like Father Capon is pretty well slim to none, solidifying our faith foundation will prepare us for when a storm does come. 
when we are faced with a crisis. Like to use the recent example of the priest sex abuse scandals that rocked the church here in the U.S. last year. It was not is a painful reality for all of us Catholics. And it's something that must be faced. But in order to do so properly necessitates faith in God, properly being the key word there. A resilient man who places his faith only in himself causes dissonance, because he is willing to sacrifice others for his own sake. A resilient man who places his faith in God becomes a beacon of hope and peace. He will sacrifice himself so that others might live. Father Capon is a remarkable example of that. He embodied the confidence that comes with this spiritual resilience that's communicated in Psalm 23, verse 4. Ahem, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. When you're faced with adversity in any fashion, where do you turn? Where does your faith lie? Before I go... Let me offer you a prayer provided by the Father Capon Guild for the beatification and canonization of Father Capon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, in the midst of the folly of war, your servant, Chaplain Emil Capon, spent himself in total service to you on the battlefields and in the prison camps of Korea until his death at the hands of his captors. We now ask you, Lord Jesus, if it be your will, to make known to all the world the holiness of Chaplain Capon and the glory of his complete sacrifice for you by signs of miracles and peace. In your name, Lord, we ask, for you are the source of peace, the strength of our service to others, and our final hope. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remain resilient in the faith. And one day someone might just tell your story. See you next time. And outro. So, I'd like to address this right out of the gate. I myself worked as a farmhand for the... Oh. Scrub. North America is great. I live here. But I think next I'll talk about a great saint from long ago and far away. See ya.